0: Mike Ling
1: and I'm Charles Lee
0: and you're listening to the Grok Science Show
1: that's right it's a weekly look at the world of science technology and the effects on our daily lives coming up on today's program Rebecca Simon will join us to discuss why we love pirates so
0: stay tuned for all of this
1: plus the Grokatron 5000
0: and our world famous question a week
1: coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show Rock's science show. Well, pirates, all throughout popular culture, why do we love them so much? Joining us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Rebecca Simon. Dr. Simon is an expert on the history of piracy and received a PhD on the subject from King's College London. She has a passion for public history and appears in several podcasts, documentaries, and written articles for both academic and popular audiences. And currently teaches history at the Santa Monica College. She has penned the new books, Why We Love Pirates and Pirate Queens. joins us to discuss the very fascinating topic. Dr. Simon, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. You're
0: welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, this is a really a great book that you've put together here, Why We Love Pirates, The Hunt for Captain Kidd and How He Changed Piracy Forever. And also you've written the Pirate Queens, The Lives of Anne, Bonnie and Mary Reed. I'm curious why the interest in pirates and why you decided to put these books together.
0: So my interest in pirates goes back kind of a long time. Personally I'm from Los Angeles, and I would go to Disneyland every year growing up. And my favorite ride was always Pirates of the Caribbean. But my real interest didn't really start until I was in grad school and uh, for history. And I was reading a book called Villains of All Nations by the historian Marcus Rediker. And it was about pirates. During the golden age in the 16 and 1700s, and I never knew it could actually be an academic subject. And I learned all kinds of stuff about pirates that I never knew before about how they could be criminals or treated as criminals, but also had really interesting lives on the ship. And so I wondered, how did we get from that to things like Jack Sparrow? How did that change? And so I decided to make that the focus of my study for my master's. And then, of course, when I went on and did my Ph.D., I continued my course of study looking at public executions of pirates in the 16 and 1700s. Now, the book Why We Love Pirates sort of comes a little bit from my Ph.D. thesis because I initially started researching Captain Kidd for my doctorate. He was kind of my framing device. And I thought he would make a really good subject for us to be able to look at why pirates became so interesting. And this is because... He was not the first pirate to be hunted by authorities, but he was the first pirate in which there was kind of live coverage happening about him in the early 1700s when they were capturing him and when he was on trial. And it was after that a lot of laws changed about piracy. He was rumored to have buried a lot of his goods, and so the idea of buried treasure comes from him. And he was always really, really famous. And so I used him as my framing device to discuss how people became fascinated with pirates and how that fascination actually existed as far back as the 16 and 1700s. It's not just today. And so he kind of became the basis of this for me to explore in my book.
1: Of course, a lot of people heard of Captain Kidd, but maybe they don't know his full story. And uh, if you talk a little bit about Captain Kidd.
0: Sure. So Captain William Kidd was a Scottish privateer for the English, and that means he was basically hired to capture enemy ships. And as a privateer, you get to keep most of what you can steal. So it's a pretty good job, really. And he was told to go do some work in the East Indies because Britain had really established its East India Company and was working on trade relationships with the really powerful Indian Mughals, the elite merchant class there. And Captain Kidd was charged to attack any Dutch ships, any French ships, anyone who could be considered an enemy. But he was having bad luck, and he was under pressure from his crew to capture other ships because they weren't having good luck, and so he ends up capturing a ship called the Queda Merchant. And unfortunately, it was captured by an Englishman, which means he's basically broken his rules. He's captured someone from his own country, and so now he's going to be considered a pirate. Now, Kidd never, ever believed he himself was a pirate. He said he followed all the rules to a T. But his crew would speak out against him because Kidd had actually gotten into a fight with one of his crewmates and accidentally killed the crewmate. And so they were all very angry at him and they had a lot of bad luck. And so when Kidd realized he was actually being wanted as a pirate, he writes to a friend of his named Lord Belmont, who was governor of New York and Massachusetts. And he'd also been a lot of he'd also been Captain Kidd's financial backer for a lot of things. But Bellamont himself didn't want to be associated with a pirate, so what he did is he writes a letter to Kid saying, come to Boston and I'll protect you. But it ended up being a trick, and Kid arrives in Boston and finds himself arrested. While he's there, he writes to Bellamont saying that he had hidden a whole bunch of the goods he had stolen on an island off the coast of New York. And so Bellamont goes to look for it, but nothing is there. It ends up being a hoax by Kid. But this is one of the things that made him so famous. And ultimately, he spent two years in prison in Boston and was sent to London in 1701 for trial. And on May 23rd, 1701, he hanged at a place called Execution Dock on the Thames in East.
1: That story has it all. I mean, it has capture, his hanging, and buried treasure. What more do you need from a pirate?
0: Exactly. And this is why I thought he was the perfect pirate in order for us to discuss how we came to find them so fascinating.
1: In a way, the myth of Captain Kidd is more than who he actually was, and that captures the imagination and makes almost a romantic figure.
0: Right, exactly. He definitely was romanticized. After he died, there were ballads that were written about him. People would sing songs about him, and there were poetry written. But there were also lots of stories about you know, the evil actions that he did, and people seem to really enjoy those just as much as any stories that glorified pirates. Even a story that might vilify them was just as fun for people to read. And so he would appear, he would be mentioned in newspapers off and on for like the rest of the 1700s, sort of as a reference or discussing who was. And people were always really interested in trying to find this you know, quote, unquote, lost buried treasure he left. And there have been expeditions that have happened off and on ever since he was executed. Most recently, in 2015, people thought they found his lost treasure off the coast of Madagascar, a whole bunch of silver bars or silver ingots But that turned out to be a hoax. But he's still very much inspiring people and a huge source of fascination.
1: Authorities of the time, obviously, we were not all that pleased with somebody who they viewed essentially as a criminal, is getting so much attention. Did dislike for that fuel the legend? It
0: did. So there's uh, so pirate ships were kind of known for being a bit more egalitarian in a lot of ways. They were able to vote in a captain, and then if they felt that the captain did a bad job, then they could vote out the captain. And pirates also had a system to compensate people for injuries, so they had kind of their own free health care, for lack of better terms. And people were finding pirates more and more fascinating as time was going on. And this is one of the reasons why British authorities would orchestrate these really big public executions. Now, public executions weren't new. They've been around pretty much since the beginning of human history. But the ones for pirates were used as a way to deter people from piracy and show the bad example that pirates were. But it actually backfired a bit. If anything, it made interest go up even higher. And also, there were actually a lot of colonists, especially in the Americas, who had some sympathy for pirates, because there was a period of time in the 1600s, especially, when pirates would work with powerful colonists or governors, bringing in restricted goods because of really restrictive trading acts. And there was a period of time where colonists couldn't trade with anyone outside Britain. And so pirates actually had a lot of support from many colonists, which, of course, would disappear into the turn of the 18th century, because then the laws came down on colonists. And if they were found working with pirates, they could be charged as pirates. So it really became this really huge, complicated system of the British trying to take control away from pirates, while at the same time, the people are satisfied with the British, and the British have to work with that. It's a whole thing, and pirates were right in the middle of it.
1: From Captain Kidd, of course, more pirates, male and female pirates in history.
0: So definitely, I would say probably one of the most famous pirates of all time is Edward Teach, more commonly known as Blackbeard. He's so famous that a lot of people don't even realize he was real. Um, he was a pirate for only about two years, from 1717 to 1718. And he had fought uh, in the War of Spanish Succession with other people who would eventually become pirates. So he had a lot of knowledge here. But he's really famous for the way he looked. He grew out his hair, he grew, had a long black beard, and he would put candles in his hair and his beard when he attacked ships to make it look like he came out of hell. And this is why he was known as Blackbeard, very simple. But this is very carefully orchestrated. This is a, during a time in which polite society was all the rage, and men were expected to be clean-shaven with their hair tied back, and he did the opposite. But what's also interesting about him is that even though he was terrifying and his men fought brutally... He never actually killed anybody until his final battle. In fact, he would order his men not to kill anyone in battle because, like any good pirate, he wants to rob a ship, get in, and get out as fast as he can with as little casualties as possible. But he attacked so many ships so often, and he blockaded the port of Charleston for a week, so he really made a huge name for himself. And ultimately, he would be beheaded in battle in November of 1718. And... Two other really famous pirates are the female pirates, Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed. And they only sailed for two months in 1720, from August to October. And yet, they've become some of the most infamous pirates of all time, because they're the only female pirates that we know of, for certain, who sailed during the Golden Age. And they were extremely violent, and they were extremely effective, and they were very frightening to any victim that they came across. And what's interesting is that they were put on trial in Jamaica after they were captured, And even though they were both found guilty and sentenced to hang, it turned out they were both pregnant. And so their execution was delayed until after they would have the children. But Mary Reed would die in prison of jail fever, which is probably typhus. And Anne Bonnie, we actually don't really know what happens to her. It's possible that there's no death record at the time. So either her father managed to intervene and take her home, or recent research shows that There was a death record for a woman named Anne Bonny in 1731 in Jamaica. So it's possible that she lived for the next 10 years on her own in Jamaica somewhere.
1: What about the people who would go after the pirates? How were they viewed, pirates and the people going after them?
0: So there were people who were charged to go after pirates, and they were pirate hunters, like it was their specific job. And they were people who had probably been privateers, at one point, the basically legally sanctioned pirates. And so they knew where pirates would go. They knew the type of places they would hide out in. And it was really lucrative for them. They, you know it was really good money to try to get um, to try to capture pirates. You also had some governors who kind of made it their mission to capture pirates. For instance, when Woods Rogers became the first royal governor of the Bahamas in seventeen eighteen, the very first thing he did was issue a proclamation offering pardon, uh, pirates a pardon if they turned themselves in. And over 200 pirates actually decided to do this because they didn't necessarily want the risk of getting captured and then getting hanged. Although half of them would would actually go back to being pirates. But that was his big mission. Let's clear the waters of all pirates. Yet he did. He was pretty effective some people say that maybe he helped end the age of piracy, but piracy is always already starting to wane a bit by the time he came into power. Now, there were other governors, and they worked really hard to eradicate piracy because, you know, pirates would hurt a lot of merchant trade, especially going up into New England. And this is because they relied so heavily on the fishing industry, the logging industry, and pirates could be really, really, really detrimental to that. And they also had a lot of powerful religious figures who hated pirates, such as Cotton Mather, who was a preacher that made it sort of his life mission to try to rehabilitate pirates or to speak out against pirates. And he was very well respected and he was very influential. So it's kind of a mixed bag in terms of how people viewed those who went to capture pirates. A lot of them considered them to be heroes. There were some colonists that found it kind of irritating that they were going after pirates because pirates could bring in a lot of smuggled goods. And it could also be devastating for people because pirates also have their own families, they might be married, they might have children, and their deaths could be horrific for their families and lead them into destitution.
1: How do we get from this reality of now where there's pirates, we love watching them on the screens? How does this image of the pirate evolve over time to where we are today?
0: So it kind of thanks to a lot of public literature or popular literature. And the first thing to look at would be the 724 book, A General History of the Pirates by Captain Charles Johnson. And this is a book that's basically a huge collection of pirate biographies. And a lot of them are true, but a lot of them are also very fictionalized. And it was a bestseller, and it never went out of print. You can still buy a copy. And this would eventually serve as the source for inspiration for the Scottish writer Robert Louis Stevenson when he wrote his novel, Treasure Island, which was published in 1883. And it was hugely popular. It was already known in England because it had been a weekly series. Story called the Sea Cook, and then it was collected and put together as a novel. And it's an adventure story about a young boy who finds a treasure map, basically, and he is put onto a ship where they're going to go try to find this treasure. And it turns out the cook, who he becomes friends with, Long John Silver, is secretly a pirate who plans a mutiny. And this, so it's a whole adventure novel about this ship with a whole bunch of pirates on it, and then going for this treasure, a huge battle. And it was an instant smash hit in Britain and America. It became really heavily adapted. It's been adapted over 40 times for film and television. It was the inspiration for things like the Pirates of the Caribbean Disney ride, and which, of course, would serve as inspiration for the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise. And people were really interested in it because adventure stories were becoming very popular in the 1880s. It was published at the exact right time. The novel was a very popular form of literature, adventure stories were really popular. You know, boys and girls would read this. It was even getting taught in schools. And this was also during a time period, actually, when people were sort of looking back to the past and seeing, like, you know, the wars their grandfathers had fought in, and really hard times people survived in, and people are looking back being like, that's where all the adventure is, and Treasure Island sort of fed into that idea. So a lot of it, it was just really the perfect time to publish such a story. And it turned pirates from these historically criminal figures into these mythic, almost heroic criminals. Because also at this time, organized piracy, like we saw in the 16 and 1700s, hadn't existed for over 150 years. And so it was already quite mythical in the past. And when things are so far removed from us, they can just simply be abstractly interesting. And Treasure Island really kind of set on this, and it created an entirely new fictional idea of what a pirate was. And that's why, pretty much to this day, most of what people think they know about pirates is actually from the novel Treasure Island.
1: You've spent a great amount of time looking at all these different stories. Do you have a favorite pirate story or a favorite pirate?
0: Um, let's see. I really found the story of Anne Bonny and Mary Reed really interesting because so much of theirs has become really mythologized over time because so little about them. Basically, there's just only two sources about them. They're a chapter in A General History of the Pirates, and their chapters are one of the ones that are pretty much entirely fiction. And then there's the trial transcript that was published and sold in London in 1721. And that's where you get a lot of factual information. So for me, when I wrote my book, Pirate Queens, The Lives of Anne Bonny and Mary Read, I had to do a lot of reconstruction and a lot of investigative work to try to put their stories together. But they're interesting because of the mystery behind them. We don't really know where they're from. We don't know what their relationship was to each other. And it's created a lot of theories about them. So that was really fun to reconstruct. And in terms of pop culture piracy. I think Treasure Island is a great novel to read, definitely. And in terms of television or film, I actually really do enjoy the first Pirates of the Caribbean film, Curse of the Black Pearl. I thought it was done really well, kind of showing pirate culture and also maritime superstition. And I really love the television show Black Sails. I think if people are interested in a show or movie that's accurate about pirates, Black Sails does the best job of any. So those are ones I like to recommend. But yeah, in terms of pirates, and Bonnie and Mary Reed, I think are definitely the most interesting.
1: What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about pirates or the most surprising thing you found out about pirates that like people to know?
0: So I think probably the most surprising thing, and this usually surprises people, is that pirates never actually buried any treasure. That's a myth. And a lot of it is traced back to Captain Kidd, who claimed he had hidden a lot of his goods for safekeeping, but nothing was ever found, and people still try to find it. And then, of course, the plot of Treasure Island being to find treasure that pirates had buried, a huge cache of it. This is all fiction. Pirates never would bury anything. They would steal goods. About 50% of what they would steal was meant to replenish their own ship. And the other 50% would be things like wine or other alcohol or textiles or spices or goods that they could sell and make money. And then they would go and spend that money or send it home to their family if they had families. The vast majority of pirates only sailed for about two years before they were either killed or captured. And so they wouldn't have time or the resources to actually go and bury anything. They were usually around land because they had to be. That's where all the major merchant ships were. And they knew the ports to go to to sell their goods and make money. And so the idea that pirates buried something, that has become a huge piece of legend and lore that people believe but again the reality is they just didn't have the time to do that there was no purpose in doing it so i think that's probably the most surprising thing that i learned when i was researching pirates and that people generally always find quite surprising as well
1: i think i wasted a good portion of my childhood looking for buried triggers, so now i know i was completely misguided <laughs> well so how did piracy kind of end and what's its legacy
0: So the golden age of piracy is, when we think of pirates, we think of the golden age of piracy, which was a period between 1650 and 1730. And this is a time where we have really organized pirates working together And creating a very unique culture. And when we think of pirates, these are the pirates we think of because in a way, they're the only quote-unquote true pirates, as in they were pirates that fought for themselves, not for government, like in other periods of history. But eventually it was going to fade away because the authorities against pirates were increasing and their resources were increasing. You have the High Court of Admiralty, which is in charge of maritime law in Britain. And their charge was specifically to eradicate piracy. And you, then you have people like Woods Rogers coming in and becoming governor of the Bahamas, which was a major pirate stronghold. And he pretty effectively actually de-piracy a lot in that time period. But also, as we're getting into the 1720s, a lot of major pirate leaders who have been quite famous, such as Blackbeard and Jack Rackham, Charles Vane, Samuel Bellamy, all these people, they've all been killed or died either in battle or because they were captured and hanged. So. There wasn't as much of a motivation for people to be pirates. The risk was becoming too high. And then other wars started breaking out. And a lot of governments were offering pirates a pardon, meaning you'll be forgiven of any crimes if you come work for us as a privateer. And a lot of pirates decided to do this because It just the risk of being a pirate just wasn't worth it anymore by the time you get to this end of the 1720s. And also by then is when you have a general history of the pirates that's been published, so people more just see pirates as kind of these interesting figures. They're already becoming kind of abstract. And so what they did is that, so piracy ends because it just really stops being worth it to be a pirate. But The legacy continues really strong in terms that they've become kind of these big mythical figures for people who had heard about them but hadn't actually encountered them personally. And they're already becoming these sort of fascinating pieces in literature. And so they're the ones that basically created the idea of the pirate that we have today.
1: People picking up the book, what would you like them to take home about why we love pirates?
0: Uh, I think what I hope people get out of it is that they're able to learn that pirates, they weren't just simply these swashbucklers. They were very complex individuals and a lot of, and that some things about piracy is more fascinating than, than we can ever imagine. But at the same time, a lot of it is more mundane than we can ever imagine because these are people trying to make a living on their own. But I hope that they come away just kind of learning a lot about pirates and wrote it in a way to make it easy, fun and accessible for people. And You know, I think the big thing also about this book is I like to sort of spell a lot of the major mysteries about pirates and tell that these are what the truths are. Here's what we think is true, but here's what the actual truth is, and here's why we got those ideas. And so that's what I'm hoping people will take away from the book.
1: We were just talking with Dr. Rebecca Simon. She's author of the books Why We Love Pirates and Pirate Queens. Dr. Simon, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me.